Welcome back to another special episode of Kiddush Club News for Jews. And this episode is sponsored by Jerusalem Cafe in New York City. Jerusalem Cafe is way more than a pizza store, although their pizza is exceptionally good. Their hot open bar is amazing. They have great sushi and now, perfect timing for the summer, they have ice cream, they have milkshakes, design your own salad, they do catering, and you can order online for delivery. And right now, for all of our listeners... Order online and use the coupon code KC10 for Kiddush Club, Kiddush Club 10. KC10 will get you 10% off on your order when you order online. They're open six days a week, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Check them out online. Their website is j2nyc.com. Of course, I'll be included in the show notes as well. Again, j2nyc.com. And remember to use coupon code KC10 for 10% off. That lets them know that we sent you. This week... Our guest is Danny Lobel, comedian and podcaster for a very long time. Welcome, Danny. Thank you. It was very official the way you set it up. So very <laughs> official. Thank you. You know, this is uh, this is a real deal. So you're in the big leagues now. This is, this, is, this is big for you guys. This is putting the show on the map. This is huge. This is huge. This I is mean, huge. After this, you will have a herring sponsor. There you sure. go. But I got to say something, and you know, I don't know if you're saying it in jest, but for real, you have been a podcaster for like, is it a decade? Is it more? I'm not good at math, but uh, <laughs> it started in 2004. Wow. So it's, you know, quite a long time. Yeah. And the name of it is? Nearly 20 years. What's uh, my podcast, currently I have two going. Oh, wow. Uh, Modern Day Philosophers <laughs> and the Fair Enough Podcast. Now, Fair what podcast named for my books? I gave you guys some. I do autobiographical comic books. We currently have five of them out. They're available for sale at fairenoughcomic.com. They're true stories from my life. And now I do a podcast where I talk to artists of, and writers for graphic novels. And that's the, the new one. That's Fair Enough, the podcast. And then Modern Day Philosophers is comedians discussing philosophers. And we juxtapose their philosophy to the philosophers. And we just put out a new episode with Elon Gold. Yes, I saw that. I I saw it Wednesday. That's Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. So, so first of all, thank you for the comics. This is this is serious stuff. I mean, this. I mean, this is a it's a real comic you got going here. I'll say this with humility: they're very impressive. (laughs) (laughs) You hear that little jingle that goes off anytime I say something good. So anyway, so these are all true stories from my life. Everyone is done by a different artist, and uh, I think they're they're really good. I'm proud of them. And I'll tell you what, I'm not the only one because I uh, first of all people buy them, but I just uh, got hired on to do comics for Chabad. Really? So really? we just finished our first one, which comes out in Pesach uh, for Pesach, and. Um, I'm not sure how to tell people to get it, but if you follow me on social media, you'll definitely see links to it. And I wrote, um, have you heard of the band Eighth Day? We literally just had them here on really? Tuesday, yeah. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so you know Rabbi Shmuley Marcus. Though. Yes. Rabbi. So he and I collaborated on this, and, um, and we made this comic book together along with artist Eli Ziv, and it's a story about the Baal Shem Tov. Uh, it's an it's a not so well known story. It's one of the early from the underground underground Baal Shem Tov stuff, and uh, it's uh, it's going to be very it's very cool when it comes out. You'll... Oh, so that one's not going to be autobiographical. 
No, so it is and it is unless you are the Baal Shem Tov. No, which I am, well, yes, I am the Baal Shem Tov. I, <laughs> I am the Baal Shem Tov. I feel like that's um, a genre in and of itself, just underground Hasidic stories. You know well, what I mean? That's what we're just unknown. Doing. Yeah, right. That's so, great. So it is autobiographical in that it's a it, it's me narrating the story and cutting back and forth from the story and relating it to my real life. So it is sort ah. of like in the vein of fair enough in that it's real. It's me talking about my thoughts on it and my experiences that relate to the story and relating it to my life and in doing so, hoping that other people who will relate it to their lives when they read it. And, and, uh, and there are some real scenes between me and Shmuley Marcus, who's going by uh, Rabbi Mendel in the comic book because he's very humble. Uh, and but but uh, his character in the in the book is not his name. Mine is my name because I'm not quite on his level. But um, we have these great scenes of us uh, talking about the story and cutting back and forth between the story. It's really very cool. I think I think people are going to dig it. I think the the when you're talking about it, it almost sounds like a TV show. It sounds like a like a movie. And it's interesting to me just to see how you're going to lay this all out in comic book form. Like right. that in and of itself needs analysis like how do you even get that feel i'm really proud of how it came out a lot of it uh a lot of credit goes to the artist who did the comic book that's in front of you the costco book um an israeli artist named eli ziv he's incredible so the fact that it looks stunning is thanks to him and the fact that it's uh inspirational and awesome is probably thanks to Rab- uh, rabbi shmuley marcus and the fact that it's um well written and, and funny is is me. So, uh, <laughs> so and by I, the way, we're going to link to all of this stuff in the show notes. So, yeah. and we're going to post it on our WhatsApp. So you'll be able to go straight to the site. Uh, this is real quality stuff, and uh, I'm excited to give it to my kids actually because uh, it's we'll sell it to them. Make, <laughs> make a few bucks here. Yeah. No, we've been saying it's it's not so easy to find kosher entertainment in the entertainment world. I think we need this story of your life. Danny Lobel, what is your story? How long is How's he going to sell comics? <laughs> How's he going to sell the comics if he tells us his life? Well, you get little snippets of it in the books, but I am a uh, New York born and raised fella. Um, originally from Flushing, Queens, and my family moved to Long Beach, Long Island, where I lived until I was 17. Went to do a year in Israel. Came back, moved to Manhattan, went to Baruch College, finished Baruch College after a very long time, um, and that, uh, during which time I started doing stand-up comedy every night. While you were at Baruch? Yeah. Uh, started when I was about 19. Started doing stand-up when I was 15. Started Decided to make it a career at 19. It's about to become a career when I turned 50. So... Um, <laughs> Anyway, I went there, lived in New York, moved around Manhattan, Upper East Side, Upper West Side, Midtown, moved to uh, Williamsburg, uh, Bushwick area of Brooklyn when it was hip and hipster. I don't know what it's like now, but probably it's a big Starbucks and um, uh, and a Whole Foods. Anyway, um, so... <laughs> it's not inaccurate. So, yeah. So then met Kylie... She converted to Judaism. I converted back to Judaism. I was, wow. I well, that's a loaded statement right well, there. Well, I wasn't doing it. So, ah, you know, I, um, interesting. 
I got I got into it. Uh, we so moved Kylie to LA. actually brought you back to yeah, Judaism. She converted me to Judaism. That's actually. amazing. So uh, yeah, against my will for a long time, and then with my participation. Of well, I have to ask how you guys met. Uh, at a bar. So and then we wound you up. He was. You were waiting for. Yeah, this I need very, a story. Yeah. I need a story. I'm sorry. You're not going to get away with that. You can't just say at a bar. I need He's a like, story. So, How'd you meet? It was. I'll, I'll just rush through Nepal the rest of what's and... happened. We moved to Los Angeles. Um, moved into an apartment, then rented the apartment above that apartment. We're living in two apartments, then rented a house where we currently live, a few blocks away from the two apartments. And we maintained that we continue to live in that house. At some point, about a year and a half or so ago, I bought a school bus, uh, converted into a podcast studio, made a business oh, out wow. of it. Oh, wow. Your so podcast studio is in a school bus? It's in a school bus. That is wild. It's, it's mobile, which is check great. Out, check out the website, thepodcastbus.com. Amazing. Yeah, not just you, but everyone at home and their, <laughs> and their friends. Um, but uh, yeah. How far will you travel? The people want to know. That's actually how uh, Rabbi Marcus and I, well, it's not how we met, but it's the first thing we did was I produced some videos for him in the podcast bus. Um, and then he, you know, he decided to hire me to do everything. It's just amazing. I did a comic book for him. I did uh, video editing for him. I did a, a stand-up show at his Chabad on Purim. So he's that's made, awesome. So when you make decided, that connection, he's decided to keep me going. Uh, so I, I don't know why he likes me so much, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> I don't want to mess with it. You know, Blyain Hara. So anyway, and he's an incredibly talented guy in his own right. Yeah. So, um, what else can I tell you? Jewishly, I wrote for Mendy Pellin. You know Mendy Pellin. Sure. I wrote for Jubelish the News. Um, so that's my great Jewish claim to fame in the entertainment Jewish entertainment world. Um, and now you've, you're taking you're you're embracing the comic book and the comedy and the podcasting. Yes, and so oh, the other thing I was going to tell you is I just released a film, um, which is uh, called Reconquistador, and it's about me going to Spain and tracing my Sephardic roots and doing stand up in Barcelona. And it's a very proudly Jewish uh, film. Really? Wow. Is that out? When's that? So it's touring. We just showed it at the Lemley Theater in Santa Monica uh, this week, uh, which was incredible. It's a 1920s theater that seats 180 people. Beautiful, like majestic theater. It was incredible. It went very well. We did a showing in New York, uh, Thanksgiving time in Lincoln Center. There's a the new Plaza Cinema there. And uh, we're shopping it around, and basically, if people want to host screenings, and they got a lot of cash, call me. Um, <laughs> let me know. No, because I did have. You know, it's funny. We say, yeah, if we want to host a screening, because it costs money for me to go out and do stuff, and it's time and it's energy. And we got like I won't say where, but somewhere outside of America, a, a little community wanted to do a screening, and they're like, "How much would it cost to bring you out?" And I told them, and they're like, "Oh, it's much more than I was thinking." And I said, well, you know, um, try to work with them, right? And then I realized there was no working with them. You ever get, get a situation? I said, I don't know what they were looking for, but I'm like, so just for fun, I'm like, they're like, I'm like, how much did you want to pay? They're like, $200. $200. You $200. can't even get a flight. You can't, can't even... Even, you can't even get to LAX from where I live. Right, can't get an Uber. For that money, yeah. So, um, so I said, what if we did $300? Okay, because I know it's going nowhere. And right, so, so might as well go, have some fun. So they go, I'll run it by the the synagogue board, but I don't think uh, I don't think it's not looking uh, good. So, so I said, so when did you want to do this anyway? Because I was thinking, who knows? Maybe I could 
have something else going on, but it's not worth it for the two hundred or three hundred dollars. But I'm just kind of curious, like because I was talking to somebody who was clearly eccentric. So I was like, when did you want to do this? And she she's like, oh, it's like a year away. I'm like, so all this negotiating um, <laughs> is for a, a hypothetical screening in a year that you want to pay two hundred dollars for. And then I said, okay, we'll run it by the board. Let me know what they say to three hundred dollars, you know, <laughs> and then we'll talk about it from there. And of course, like I forget all about it, and then two months later, I get a call, and she goes, uh, or an email, and she goes, "I'm sorry, I ran it by the board. We are unable to do it. Good luck." <laughs> <laughs> so you do have to have some kind of budget, but if you have a budget, I'll come out and we'll do a Q and A. I'll do a little stand up, and we could show Reconquistador. It's a really cool film produced by Stand Up Records, which is a record label that I'm on out of Minneapolis, um, run by the great Dan Schlissel, a very proud Jew himself, and. Uh, I'm just what's crazy to me is that yeah. even if you're being quoted two hundred dollars for a year out, you'd like need to adjust for inflation. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's like it's too far out. The economy is way too unpredictable. Okay, I'll tell you what country it is. Okay, but you still won't know who I'm talking. It's in Canada. Ah. So I said. Ah, okay, yeah. So I said two hundred. They said two hundred. I said, what about three hundred? They said because this is funny. They go. 300 American or 300 Canadian? <laughs> I said, American. She goes, well, I don't think the board oh, would go for that. Oh, I don't know that. about I, that. I don't know about that. <laughs> I was like, two, two, 300 Canadians, $1.25. I mean, yeah, I that's, it's, wow. Can we, we jump back for a second? Yeah. A little intrigued that you went to Spain to research your Sephardic roots. Yeah. What's that about? Um, well, I... I wanted to. Cool. Let's let's move on to the next. <laughs> I learned how to answer things a well, lot now from my three year old. <laughs> no, so first I'm like, why'd you do that? Because I did it. Because <laughs> well, no. First of all, obviously, what? Why did you suddenly decide that you wanted to trace your Sephardic roots? I mean, it's not. First of all, I'm I'm a mixed breed of Ashkenaz and Sephardic, but I was raised Sephardic. Really? Um, yeah, in a Moroccan synagogue in Long Beach, Long Island, New York, represent uh, <laughs> Sephardic congregation, also known as Bnei Asher, after the late uh, Rabbi Asher Abitan, Zichron Lebracha, amazing rabbi who uh, was uh, just an incredible influence in my life, and a, a wonderful, uh, a, just a, a wonderful person, a wonderful Tamil uh, Chacham, he was amazing. And uh, and I have family in in Turkey, and I have family from Turkey that moved back to Spain. Uh, so I have family in Spain, both in Madrid and in Barcelona. So I'd been there before, and I saw my family, and I did a stand-up tour, and I was part of the Barcelona Comedy Festival. Wow. And uh, I became friends with the Irish fella named Stephen Garland, who runs that festival. And I convinced him to start a storytelling show, which took off in Spain. Anyway, all that, years later, I was thinking it would be kind of interesting to do my next album in Spain, because my first one was in Scotland, because my mom was raised in Scotland. And uh, and I thought, well, let's go back in time. Uh, you know, I went back a generation to Scotland, my a few generations, because my grandfather and his parents are all in Scotland. So I well, thought, who if we go back, think, wait a minute. let's go. Who, well, let me, wait, fin- wait, let me wait. finish the thought. And then I yeah. thought, okay, let, yeah, me, yeah, this, let me go back. You even. just flew I'm us. Like, so- I'm like, so if I follow this pattern of going back to do stand-up in places where my roots 
sorry I should do my second album in Spain because I have family that were kicked out in the Inquisition, went to Turkey, went from Turkey to Vienna, went from Vienna to, to Scotland. Wow. So, what was the family name, the, the, the Spanish, when they were kicked out? What was uh, that family name? Very, very rare one, Levy. <laughs> um, so, uh, so... Um, and and uh, also uh, my cousins are Minashe, their sure. last name. So anyway, um, so yeah, so yeah. So wait, let's go back to Scotland just for a second. You had multiple generations of family in Scotland, right? So my mother's father is a Scottish Jew. I had, I had a joke about it. People don't know that there are Jews in Scotland. And I said we've been there for I'm a just long say time. That. Yeah, we, we didn't. Who do know. you think we've did, talked about that? Right. Who do Literally. you think uh, did accounting for William Wallace? You know, we did his taxes, <laughs> and we're like, Mister Wallace, um, <clears throat> sorry to bother you. It's like right here. It says um, under dependents, you've listed the entire Scottish people. I think you might get audited for that. And, and he's <laughs> that's like, great. And he just goes freedom. You know. And, <laughs> anyway. But first of all, I want to take it even further back. Spain. First mm-hmm. of all, I heard it's beautiful in Spain. No, no. He only cares about one thing. Mm-hmm. Bullfighting. That's all he cares about. That's I all went he talks to a about. bullfight in Spain. That's all he talks How about. was that? Was it everything That's you hoped for and more? <laughs> no. I didn't. I thought it was going to be really cool. Like, First of all, at the time, I wasn't religious. I went with a guy, a, a Spaniard, who was an audience member at one of my shows. And he was like, you know, I want to show you around. Let and, me take you to a bullfight. Yeah, I said, no. I said, he said, "What do you want to do?" I said, "I want to go to a bullfight because I want to experience the the things." Right. You know, when you go to a place, you want to experience the things of the culture. So you go to Spain, you want to do the Spanish things. So I said, "Yeah, let's go to a bullfight." I was horrified I, when really? I got there. It was terrible. I didn't yeah, realize. Basically, yeah, just making an animal suffer until it dies. It was very, very sick. It wasn't a fair fight at all. Uh, they just keep like stabbing the bull and making it weaker, and people come and run up. It's not man versus bull, and the bull could, you know, it's like a the team bull never of had people. A chance. The bull is, and and it and it was a bloodthirsty crowd, you know, that around around there. And I thought, I mean, it's like it must be like being in the Colosseum and in, in in Rome and watching them like bring out the Jewish slaves to be eaten by lions or something. I don't know. It was like it was very scary because I saw like the bloodthirstiness in people's eyes around me and. It didn't stop me from trying the bull testicles afterwards because I was like, "All right, well, this is this ought to be interesting." So, how how were they? I mean, is it everything Liver King says it is? <laughs> uh, they were chewy. Um, I uh, <laughs> I don't remember much more about it. I mean, you only you get like a little thing at the end, right? I don't even know if it's truly that bull's testicles. Who knows? It's but not. It's not raw, set, right? Then we sat and smoke a hookah on the on the street there in front of the place where they do the bullfighting. There was like a little plate. That's what I remember from that. But it's, it was it's just, not raw, right? They cook it first. Yeah, cooked. Okay. But it's like, you know, like an hour or two after the fight, we were smoking a hookah, and then he's like, okay, we're going to this place. This is the place where they bring the thing, and it's like a scene, you know? It was interesting. But I, I love but, what you said about the bloodthirstiness of the people. Like, you don't expect to to see that. Right. I, you know, I you, was, I was you like, have issues, bro. <laughs> no, I and mean, then the person who was with you're noticing me, a pattern here? Yeah, the no, person I'm just saying, was, if you're thinking about it and you're seeing people, like as a Jew, going there and seeing these people that you're not accustomed to and they're just... Right. You know, they get they get like something in their eyes. Right. It's like going you know, it's like if you went the to way Germany. he's explaining it, right? Yeah. It's, it's like, like they get something Germany in their Germany. eyes and it's like, yeah, they they need blood. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. And you take your Jewish like, and you put it in the He explained shirt. it like really well where it's like you, you can see the people are just out for blood. Yeah. They're, they're out here for, for blood sport, and they want to see it. Something or someone is yeah. gonna die here. 
Right, and I didn't like that at all. I don't so blame you. I was very uncomfortable at it. And then, like, the same feeling I get at a Mets game where I'm like, why did I agree to go to this? It's <laughs> going on forever. It's just depressing. And uh, so it was, like, also that, like, where, you know, and then the other person's a Mets fan, and they're, like, really into it. The guy who I'm with is, like, really into it. And I'm like, oh, man, I want to go. Can we just go? And this is going on and on. I'm like, I get it. I don't like it. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so there was... Uh, so that's that's the Spain part. I'm just like, but but yeah. So I mean, I thought you know this is a culture that we're we're um, pretty bad to to my ancestors as well. I mean, at one point it, now it's bulls and for it was Jews, Jews yeah. you know. So I saw this side of the Spanish people that I think has existed for a long time. I mean, but I also saw good sides of the people in Spain, and and the people showed up for my shows, and they came for my. Uh, filming and i and I, I talked about a lot of stuff uh about my feelings of being a jew in spain and and uh being of spanish jewry in my show to a non-jewish crowd uh maybe two jews in the crowd because when we filmed this it was seven years ago or so and it was right the same weekend right after the horrible attacks on the jews in france which right. is next door neighbors to spain, to spain. And so all the Jews that were going to come out to see my shows, they were just, like, Too afraid to leave the house. Or, like, really? I don't know if there's going to be more attacks or whatever. They didn't want to go anywhere. So, like, only, like, two Jewish people were in the audience. And how did you feel, like, what was the energy from the crowd? It was good. It was good. very good. good. Yeah, it's captured in the film Reconquistador, Reconquistador com. I think. Yeah. No one could spell that. So what? No, no one could spell that. So. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Well, talk, talk it into the phone. Um... <laughs> So, yeah, I, I think it was a very interesting experience for me. We went to Girona. We went to the Jewish Quarter there. It was, uh, it was, it's beautiful there. Did you apply for citizenship? That's what our listeners want to know. No. Um, you know about that, right? Yeah, I know about, you know but about they, that. They're not giving it out. Like, they, they take a lot of time and a lot of money from people, and I, they don't get the I know people who have done it. I know people who have done it, and yeah. they are now citizens. And they're like, what, $10,000 later? Or yes, something? that's correct. Yeah. That's cost like ten thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. I'm not desperate for a, a European <laughs> citizenship. Um, I am a dual citizen already of the UK. So really, how did that occur? Because my mom is from Scotland. Scotland. Ah. Yeah. So, and did you ever spend any amount of time in the U- in in the UK in Scotland? Yeah, like a lot of my life extended. Yeah, really. Yeah, I spent many summers there as a kid. I was on the Glasgow boys swim team. Uh, I worked in the Chabad camp there one summer. Um, How many I, Jews are still in Scotland? Why don't well, we ever hear? Um, <laughs> uh, there's about five thousand. That's a small, yeah. small. My community. cousin, um, I don't know the name of what he's his business, but I guess if you Google it, he's doing a kosher whiskey tours now in Scotland. Ooh, so that might what do you be mean? Something people oh, and you were just gonna leave that out? Well, That's it's like, new. It's new. He's just launched it, so you could you could you could go to Scotland and go on. Like gourmet kosher whiskey tours, so check that out. That is amazing. I just, yeah, here it is. This is amazing. I'll leave you in Spain at the bullfights. I will take a detour and go to Scotland. But that works out for everyone. Yeah, I'm not interested in. Yeah. So you were, so you spent a lot of time in Scotland. Uh, your family was moved to LA at some point. I moved to LA. You moved to LA. Yeah, it was Kylie. We we had a 2000 Toyota Camry. And we drove it. No, really? Yeah. First, we went to Florida. So what happened is we were living in Bushwick, Williamsburg area, right? 
So she decides she wants to become Jewish. I fight her. I give up. I go along. I start coming to the classes with her for her to convert to Judaism. I, uh, I get surprised that I get inspired. I enjoy it. Um, she's like almost done with her conversion. Uh, our neighbors, Ecuadorian gang members, get in a fight <laughs> with another gang. Um, we come home. There's bullet holes in the front of the building. Um, another time we come home, there's blood all over the hallway because it was New Year's Eve and the guy who was the head of the gang got out of the cab and didn't pay and the driver followed him into the building and he beat the guy up and so we're like walking over like blood to get to our door and we have like bloody sneaker prints going up to the door and we're like, you know what? Maybe it's time to move. I don't so, think this is the best neighborhood for us. So it was, the neighborhood was very like fancy and gentrified except for our building. Hmm. So... The whole neighborhood had gone from when I first moved there, it was kind of a dump, to, to like, you know, sure. on its way to, to being a big Whole Foods, like we talked right. about. All right. the hipsters, so, right? So, like, one holdout was our building. And I had a rent controlled apartment there. And the rent was very cheap for a big apartment, ground floor, backyard, very nice. Uh, only thing across the hall, Ecuadorian gang. So they did, you know, tattoos out of the kitchen and bread pit bulls, and I bought one of them. But anyway, the point is... <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, because we became friends. But even being friends, sometimes he'd come home on crack, and he'd hold a knife to my neck, and it was a wild situation. So we are thinking, you know what? I'm hoping that all the, like, the rest of these stories are in the comic books. Because you're, 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 you're flying through them yet. very a, quickly, yeah. and they, like we can spend an actual podcast on each of these stories. Right, right. Right? Because so, Ecuadorian gang members, you had me right there. Right. So I did a story about them that was... You ever heard of This American Life? Sure. sure. So I was on This American Life. I did a story about this. Did you, did, you really? Yeah. Which episode? Uh, I don't remember the number, but it's called Reap What You Sow was the name of the episode. And, and uh, we'll if look you it Google up. my name and we're gonna look it up, in, and we're going to You can, you can link to hear it, the yeah. whole story about how me and my neighbor Blanco was the head of the Blancos um, across the hall. We decided to raise a chicken and a rooster together in our backyard. But that... That aside, there's a lot of good stories about like you know all kinds of things like when I got an industrial refrigerator delivered into the apartment and it got stuck between the stairs and the wall in the hallway, and the guy was screaming who delivered it, Jamaican guy, and then Blanco came out and he got defensive of me, brought a knife, and the other guy got a knife, and they're trying to have a knife fight on either side of a giant refrigerator. A lot of interesting stories. So we decide we got to leave. We got to get out. I just so, want one one question before yeah. we continue. Will Blanco listen to this podcast? Uh, if he does, he'll love it. But uh, you never know. Sometimes he does tune in. When was the last time you, got, you had contact we're, with we're Blanco? All, yesterday on no. on Instagram. Really? Yeah, we're, we're still very we're still very in touch. Yeah. Wow. Um, and is he still is he still gangbanging? He's he's doing great. He has a family, and he's uh, really climbing the ranks in the tattoo world. Really? Yeah. Hermanos por vida. He's becoming like a very well-known tattoo artist. Really? So, yeah, he's a very good artist. Phenomenal artist. He went to, to Juvenile Hall for some kind of violent attack when he was a kid, and he was rehabbed through the art program there. And he came out of it like very inspired artist, and that's when he opened a tattoo parlor in his kitchen. And he um, and now he works at like really prestigious tattoo places, and he even gets flown around the country sometimes to be a guest tattoo artist in different shops. He's really talented. Did you ever get a tattoo? No, but he wanted to many times. Really, that's, that's interesting. Why didn't yeah. you ever get a tattoo? Um, you weren't from at the time. Yeah, but you know, it doesn't mean like you go you know a hundred percent 
If you're off the derech, you don't have to do every off the derech thing. You know what I, I mean? I know, like, but you're, you're, you're best friends with Blanco. You have a pit bull and a chicken living with you. Okay, I actually have an answer for why I didn't get a tattoo. Because I thought I would try and pick it off. That's the truth. <laughs> really? Like, I, I don't yeah, see you can. I don't like OCD, any, OCD. Yeah, I don't like any, like, a break. Like, if I ever get a scab, it's like a problem. Like, I don't like anything foreign on my body. It took me years to even adapt to wearing a watch and a wedding ring. Like, I'm very... Like sensory in that way, yeah. And I don't like, and I don't like the permanence. And I thought I would, I'll be like, oh, I'm not going to like how it turns out. So and it's going to drive me nuts, and I'm going to try. Yeah, that's to pick the it hard. Up. That would be the hardest part for me. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I, it's just I, like what, like deciding yeah, on a design that I want to live with really forever. Turn forever, out either, right, and, and right. then, and then also when I was a kid, I very close, and I'm still close. He's in his 90s with my Italian neighbor, uh, Walter PG, a wonderful guy. And um, he's a World War II veteran, and he has lots of tattoos. And he used to tell me, Daniello, I tell you, never get a tattoo, Daniello. I regret these so much. They look good when you're young, but as you get older and your skin starts to sag, they look terrible. And I wish I'd never done that, I tell you, Daniel. I never would have done that if I could go back. So that really stuck with me, too. Like I was like, oh, even if it looks good, who's to say it will always look good, you know? Right. So, That's why you want to get something that can sag. Like, you look uh-huh. at a curtain, maybe. I don't know what. <laughs> like, something that'll look good also going down. Yeah. You know? So, so that advice stuck with me about tattoos. So, uh, right, so getting back... To you drive cross country in a Camry. So I said, I just want so to know, we, wait, well, how was the goodbye between you and Blanco? There was none. We left in the middle of the night. By the really? Way, if, if we, yeah, sorry. I didn't think he'd take it well. If we could, he would just talk about Blanco the whole time. Yes, me, yeah. he, for sure. He very openly is very enamored with We could Latin have stayed on bullfighting culture. Probably yeah, for a no, long time. Anything yeah. to do with yeah. Latin culture, Spanish yeah. culture, he's, uh, he's right. enamored. Yeah. No joke. So. Here's what happened. I said, let's get out of here. Blood in the hallways, bullet holes in the door, uh, right next to our window. We slept right at, against the window. Our bed was up against the window, which faced the sidewalk. Bullet holes within inches of our bed. I said, let's get out of here. This doesn't feel like a good living situation, despite the fact that it's a big, beautiful apartment in a hip neighborhood with a backyard and it's rent controlled. Is Blanco still leave. there? No. So he was already getting evicted at the time because and his rent was $400 a month okay $400 a month for a big beautiful but he hadn't paid it for two years (laughs) so I mean and he was and I think he was getting money I know he was getting money for rent from the government so he didn't even have to come up with it he was just spending that money elsewhere right so he had the money he didn't have to have Anyway, I'm just saying this was, was really like, just. What did you do? You're an it idiot. was just a waiting this? game for you. Yeah, and you couldn't wait. <clears throat> and it wasn't only that. It's like, how long is the eviction going to take? You know, and they could still come up with the money and like, and and it wasn't like I want to get away from him. I want to get away from this situation. Right. You know, right? And uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. It was like you know, eviction can take years. So I was like, all right, we got to get out of here. Um, I didn't even give up the apartment. Somebody else wanted to, you know, sublet it off me, take it over for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm out of here. I left oh, all my furniture. This is Florida, right? What? No, this, this is Florida? No, what, this, is, like, this, this is in Williamsburg. Williamsburg. I left I'm all sorry, my furniture. Ahead. I left all my got stuff. It. Most of it I never see again, right? So I, 
I um, I leave everything. We decide to split in the middle of the night. But before that, to rewind a minute, first we looked for other places in New York. But we were priced out of New York because I was paying rent control pricing and I couldn't get anything. And it was like way too much money. So we're like looking in different boroughs and then we're like going deep into Queens. And then I'm like, look, if we're going to live like that far into Queens, it doesn't even make sense to live in New York anymore because like what's... You know, what am I going to spend all that time on subways? It's like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like we're we're not getting the experience of, of being here. It's not even fun. So, you know, some random faraway neighborhood where we know nobody or whatever. I don't know. I just didn't appeal. So Kylie had said to me like, "Oh, you keep talking about wanting to move to LA. Maybe this is the time to do it." But I was a New York snob. I had been raised here, and I thought New York was superior. I've come to learn since then that New York is actually inferior. I'm sorry mm-hmm. to tell you. But it's. It, I used to think New York was so much better than L.A. because that's how they brainwash New Yorkers to keep them in bad weather. So, um, so enjoy you know, your earthquakes, bro. Okay? Enjoy the earthquakes. Well, have fun. The earthquakes. Did you just bad. have one it's recently? Like a free adjustment at the chiropractor. You know. So okay, enjoy the homeless people. Yeah. Well, the we homeless have, capital of the country. I was just telling Kylie, it's amazing because people. We have homeless people from all over the country that come to L.A. So you don't just get depressing stories when you talk to them locally like you guys get. We get depressing stories from Chicago, <laughs> from Idaho. I mean, you could hear about broken lives all over the place. It's much more interesting. So, um, okay. So we do have a homeless issue because the weather's so nice. So if you're good, it's such a nice place that even not having a home is better. <laughs> you could even so, live there without a house. Yeah, and be it's happy. that good. So I thought L.A. was going to be a major step down. And I said, okay... Let's go somewhere worse than L.A. and live there for a while so that by the time we get to L.A., we'll feel feel like a step up and I won't feel like depressed that we went from something very good to something not as good. I'll feel like we went from something not as good to something much better. This is like life planning in the extreme. I love it. So, (laughs) yeah. So we we found a place for rent in St. Cloud, Florida, and we moved there on a dirt road by a lake. Uh, on the same dirt road that the Grand Wizard of the KKK lived on, I said, "Perfect, oh, you know, like excellent. that's it's going to be a step up leaving there." So, wait, no, 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 is that real? Yeah. And did you know this before coming in? We didn't know the, the wizard was there, but uh, <laughs> we weren't off to see the wizard. But you know, like once we found out, we're like, "Okay, well, this is, works for the plan." The plan was to go somewhere worse. Worse, right? To go somewhere. Did better. you ever invite Blanco to the uh, to Saint Cloud? N- no. So we never because even told him we were leaving. We he's just, like, he's we like just, Papi, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> we just packed up the Toyota in the middle of the night, put our dogs in there, uh, and took off. And we drove to Florida, and we lived in Saint Cloud there for a month. And how long did it take you to realize? Quickly. How long did it take you to realize that you lived down the dirt road from the Grand Wizard of the? Oh, KKK? when we moved in, they told us. What they uh, say? It was like, "Welcome to the neighborhood. We have well, the, plan meetings the, on Tuesday yeah, nights." He's, well, like, he's the local attraction. I mean, yeah, what else is he, in Saint Cloud? He's not just a regular wizard. He's a Grand Wizard. First yeah. of all, he's, he's a grand old wizard. He's a, <laughs> wow, uh, and pointy hood and all. It's like kind of. Cool. We didn't meet him, but we're like, they're like, "That's the." They drove us. The people drove us around. Um, when we got there, and they're like, like uh, "Who's the people? The realtors?" Oh, so no, we rented like a back house of these people who live on a lake. Okay, okay. And wait, and were you were you discernibly Jewish at that point? No. Ah, uh, okay. I don't know. Am I discernibly I Jewish now? No, because I can't imagine a real estate agent being like, "You, this is There's such no a real great estate place. agent." This was like off Craigslist, first oh, of okay, all. Okay, fine. <laughs> so 
But it was like amazing. They had like an airboat. You go out on the water and see. They'd shoot alligators. It was incredible. So, so there's so much of this country that we have no idea about. You know what I mean? It's all about New York. You guys are sitting here with your websites all day. I I don't know what's going on out there. We got wizards and gators and all kinds of things. It's like Dungeons and Dragons or something out there. So, so I became very old in Florida very quickly. Like we became like retired people. We weren't keeping kosher, so we would go to the Golden Corral for the early bird special, and uh, then we'd come home and watch Raymond and uh, be in bed by like seven o'clock at night. And, uh, and you know, I'd go sit out on the swing and smoke a cigar and like paint the lake. I was like an old person. Wait, did you ever have any encounter with the KKK or even hear them, no, see no, them? No, no activity. No, no. Okay. No, I think they would have liked me, but I'm, you know, you would have been the exception. <laughs> Everybody likes to think that, right? Like if they met me, they like me. You know. Kanye, he would like me. I'm telling you, of course. You, you of course. Um, so, uh, yeah, every Jew's got that in their head. Like, it's the other Jews who are ruining it for me. I, you know, if Kanye met me, he'd be pro-Jew, 100%. Um, so How long in St. Cloud? About a month in St. Cloud. And then we went, we drove from St. Cloud to Los Angeles. And the night at, that we arrived, I was opening for the late, great Ralphie May comedian hmm. at the Improv. So we, like, hit the ground running. And then not running after that. That was like a very high point for a minute. Almost got signed to a big manager off that first weekend that fell through. And then the grind of L.A. began, right? So I hear that that's not easy. But was there anything that caused you to leave Florida? Or was just that was the plan? Live a month and then go. Well, I had that uh, weekend at the improv. So So you had to go anyway. I was thinking like, you know, if I have this... Because Ralphie was encouraging me. He's like, Dana LaBelle, come on out to Los Angeles. I'm going to help you out. And he did. Give me a job when I got there. You know, and he said, he said, you know, I'll put you on the show at the improv. Remember, we're going to see you. See how funny you are. Got to come out here. All right, brother. Come on, Jack. Get on. Get in the car. Get out of New York City. Been there too long. You know. So, That's great. Uh, so, we, so we went out. And, uh, and so we had this hard date. You know, like I got this opening spot at the improv on Melrose and... For a weekend with Ralphie May, it's a big deal. So we got to be there for that. So, like, you know, we left, like, I don't know, what, four days from Florida to get to Los Angeles. And, like, at the end, we were just gunning it, just hitting the gas. Like, we got to get there by got a show to make. You know? So it was a And you just took all your stuff, basically. Yeah. And so we arrive, you know, with two dogs, all our stuff, and a tortoise in the car because we got a tortoise in Florida. So, uh yeah, and the car like once you uh, hit know, like I, I oh. don't know what when it's like when he's joking and when it's no he rarely jokes no, yeah. no, no, no there's nothing <laughs> everything is real yeah that's the funniest part yeah yeah there really was a tortoise in the car right and anytime you got over fifty miles an hour the car would start to shake you know and uh, I was a fan of the show. And um, and uh, so the tortoise is like, you know, riding in between, you know, the little divider thing in between sure. the two front seats. So we have him in the middle. I'm looking at him. His head is going like this. I'm like, oh, I hope he's going to be okay. But we still have him. That's an IRL bobblehead. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we had a bobblehead tortoise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why write jokes when life is so funny? You know? Yeah, you, you, so, you did. You put it all in the book. Yeah, so I have these books, these fair enough books, where I tell these... St- I don't think any of the stories I've told so far have been in, in any Neither. of those books. There's so much so much uh, opportunity for for books. Um, 
But, now, uh, being so that, in L.A., how, first of all, how long ago was that? Like, how long ago did you arrive in L.A. that first day? I think it was 10 years ago, almost 11. Almost 11 years ago. And since then, how are you enjoying L.A.? Like, is it everything you hoped it would be? It's really gone downhill in the, over the past decade, L.A., in terms of, like... The city. The city, the price of living... Um, you know, even the homeless people charge more when you want to give them a little money now. <laughs> um, <laughs> a quarter used to do it. Uh, no, it, it really has. It's deteriorated terribly. A very poorly managed city. And yet, it's still better than most of America, hmm. in my opinion. Are I mean, you, LA, you... that's the thing about LA. They know that the natural beauty of Southern California is so great that you could get away with the worst policies and management and upkeep, and people will still want to live there. Well, it's that's actually not true anymore, right? California led the country with most people leaving. Mo- biggest net still loss so of people. Many people. There's still yeah, so many of people. There's still so many people. Well, yeah. some people live there because that's just all they know. And then other people really do live there because it is beautiful. Yeah, of course. It's yeah. strikingly beautiful. It's stunning. It's stunningly beautiful. Like, we can get in the car, and we do get in the car, on a Sunday morning with the kids and drive an hour to, like, Moore Park, California, and go to a farm and just be surrounded by nature and beauty and the world, some of the world's best produce. You know, just incredible. Like, you go to these some of these farms, they have just incredible, organic, beautiful just it looks like jewelry it's beautiful the produce it's just so rich in color and texture Real. And but just to be clear they're charging a premium for that <laughs> right everything but i'm just saying you're making me want to hop a plane and go to la because it has been a very long time since i've been it's there. stunningly beautiful you know it's funny i i uh, we rent this house because we can't afford to buy a house yet and um we have this backyard that was a pretty lousy backyard, but over the years we've made it into a very beautiful backyard. And I have a hot tub in the backyard. Hmm. And I was sitting there with my brother last week, and I'm like, "Look at this yard! Look at this!" I said, "It's it's like a canvas to me, you know, for for creativity. Like I love the yard. I love making it more beautiful. I love, you know, planting things in it or putting up string lights or just making it." I said, "It's like it's like we're sitting in wine country." You know, and he looks at me and he goes, "It's a bit much, don't you think?" Dan? And he goes, "This looks like wine country to you." I said, "Box wine country. It's like box wine country over here." So very good. Yeah, I I I, I can't get enough of of Southern California, and despite the fact that everything you said about LA is true, and that. We have, we're overrun with crime and homelessness and garbage on the streets. And it's, it only takes me getting in the car for like 20 minutes to get onto the Highway 1 and drive up the coast, or get on a hike, um, and go up to Mescal Canyon or something. And it's just just so beautiful. Like, you don't need anything else. You don't need much, much else. What else do you need? I mean, it's like, it's paradise beauty. It's just so incredibly beautiful in California. You should work for California tourism. Yeah, in I fact. probably would hate everybody I'd work with. That's <laughs> yes. the problem, you know, like because they're probably all incompetent. I mean, how do you not sell California? Like it's it's you don't need much. Just show pictures. The wine, right. the mountains, 
the oceans. You know, it's just it's just. I'm motivated to get on Google Maps tonight and just take a tour. You know what I mean? You know how you just Google, just go around the streets and just check it out? I was in L.A. uh, fairly recently, some months ago. Uh, My experience was very different. (laughs) You got to know where to go. It was very different. Yeah. Next time you're there, hit me up. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So so now you're, you're living in L.A., uh, you, you continue doing stand up. What I'm what I'm wondering is, did you have you been continuously doing stand up? I thought I remembered that you had stopped for a time. When did you remember this? How long have you been following <laughs> my life? I only met you just. <laughs> what a creep! This guy been stalking me. I'm a stalker. I'm a stalker. I mean, I've gone for for a little while of uh, not doing it a month or two here or there, um, mostly because I I get fed up, you know. Or either with my own stuff, I feel uninspired, or the shows I'm getting booked on are lousy, or they're not paying enough, and I'd rather stay home. And because I do other things, I have this podcast bus right. now that I, I rent out. Um, I produce content for people. I make films. I make comic books. I draw. I paint. I, you know, I, I, I I like to do a lot of different things. Has uh, so, has the whole AI explosion? How has that affected you? It hasn't affected me yet. Um, I, I haven't, you know, written an act on AI or anything. Though I heard <laughs> that some people are doing that. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just <clears> wondering <throat> in terms of content because AI. Yeah. You know, the truth of the matter is, I think comedy is one of the things that AI. It's going to be a way long time before AI could replace comedians. Here's where I think AI could be good for comedy. Let's say I have a joke and I want to. Like, like, let's say the, I, I, I just did that line, which naturally was a naturally occurring joke in the hot tub where I, my brother says wine country and I say box wine country. And I realize, okay, there's a joke there and it's worth repeating on the Kiddish Club podcast maybe sure. <laughs> if it comes up. So that is a, that's a good joke, box uh, wine country. But let's say I needed um, a punchline for a wine country joke. I could type into AI... You know, maybe like uh, ghetto wine or poor man's wine or something like this. Uh, suggestions for a funny wine punchline. And I don't know because I haven't tried it, but it could possibly work that it would tell you that, right? So, Well, we will try it right now try it. on the air. So, so that is how I see that it could be useful if you don't have the reference come to you and you're trying to write and you're missing a piece and you're like, what would be a good reference for so-and-so? Right. When you Let have the material, in. you just yeah. need it written yeah that in that way i see that it could be useful and i haven't gotten to try that yet but i i imagine i don't see why i wouldn't try it it doesn't seem like you know yeah i think it's it's i think that's a little advanced i don't think it'll be able to come up with the box wine versus the regular wine box wine line is very advanced i like it thank you but (laughs) but i don't think it'll be able to do that i mean you need humanity maybe bing gpt would come up with that yeah i don't know yeah, I used to perform a lot more, to to your point. But yeah, I used to perform very regularly, and I'd get weekends, and I'd get the headline, and go different places around the country and do that. When I became Shomer Shabbat, um, I that stopped. So I I I, I can't. I don't want to. Right. Work I mean, that's the Shabbat biggest day for them, right? Right. So Friday you can't, nights. You can't book weekends without Friday nights. So. The way I make money from stand-up nowadays is like I get booked on a Chabad gig or a private gig for a dinner or this or that, and I'll get paid for that. Um, but it, it certainly put a 
stop to it being a livable income. It was never a wonderful income. I guess you you know don't be ungrateful. Any income's good income, but it wasn't. I wasn't uh, you know exceedingly wealthy from it or anything. But there was a time when I wasn't religious and I was supporting myself off of stand up. When I started becoming Shomer Shabbat, that was a big sacrifice I had to make. So did you did you not ever think about branching into the Jewish world and doing stand up for? A lot of Jewish audiences. Well, it's starting. It's starting to happen organically. I I never really um, made it a goal, but you know, every now and then, like I said, I'll get booked at a Chabad or this or that, and word gets around, and then people say, "Oh, he was funny. Let me have him at this thing." I don't have a typically Jewish act because um, I think it has to do. I think like a lot of the, and I and I mean this in no way of disrespect to the Ashkenaz. Jewish comedians who are phenomenal, but they have a very different attitude about Judaism, I think, than Sephardim do, where, like, we don't make fun of it, you know? Like, we don't make jokes about it, (laughs) you know? It's an interesting point. I I think you're right about it. it Yeah, I I think that's accurate. And by the way, Chat, I'll give you the line that ChatGPT has has given. I'll give you the prompt and what it came up with. uh What would be a good punchline for a joke where the punchline uses a word for cheap wine? Yeah. Here's a punchline for you. I'm not saying it's cheap wine, but it's so bad that the winery has a no returns policy. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, well, pretty bad. You know, ChatGPT is like a, a green comedian starting out now. Right. But in 10 years, it uh, might be coming up with better punchlines. Uh, it just has to hit the circuit more. Yeah. That's <laughs> it, it's got to break out. Yeah. It's got to do it. needs to break out. It's got to get more stage time. For sure. So you're in New York now, and I know that, as we mentioned, you're performing with Ellie Leibowitz. Yeah. Ellie famously was not a full-time stand-up comedian who actually just made the switch to it. Right. And so... When I was full-time, I made the switch away from it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we've had other comedians yeah. on. Of course, we've had Modi, who is very big in the Jewish world. Modi is uh, great, yeah. Yeah, yeah and Elon. And Elon, Elon. Yeah. Well, Elon, but Elon's not really, you know, primarily... Elon doesn't cater to Jewish people. You know, Modi right. is like a Jewish comedian catering to right. Jews. I'm not a caterer Elon either. Not. I don't cater. <laughs> I don't cater. So it's a different thing, right? Yeah. Modi, you know, Elon, anyone can really get his jokes right. and laugh. Modi, if you stick him in St. Cloud, Florida... Yeah, but you, you know, know, Modi they, is so skilled that he could adapt for any audience. I'm 100% sure of that. Modi is such a consummate performer, and I, I've is. had great respect for him for so many years. And I know that you could put him in any audience and he'll know how to just kill that audience. He's so good. But he's by because of that he can do the same thing to a Jewish audience. Right. I can't uh, do that. Interesting, interesting. I don't I don't have that thing that Modi has, um that is inspiring for me to write about Jewish things for jokes. So and what, I think it comes back to the Sephardic upbringing, but I don't know. Interesting. That's just so my theory. What, so what what does get your you know, juices flowing in your comedy life. And just life, like what I was talking to you guys about. Just like when you talk about life, I think. Yeah, there, there, by the way, there is a full one hour special in all those stories. <laughs> Each one is a full one hour special. I just gave you guys like a 24 hour special. <laughs> you need to get in touch with Netflix. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's, that's yeah. the truth. You have their number? Yeah. Hello, Netflix? <laughs> so when. Are so you, you a comedian looking for a special? Hit two. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just clicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, what, so the, the comedy that you're doing now yeah. is, I guess, you're touching on your life experiences, right? But how have you adapted? Like you mentioned, like now you're starting to do a little bit more on the Jewish circuit. How have you adapt, adapted your comedy? Like you mentioned that you know the Sephardic upbringing may have made it more difficult. What, what I'll do, do is we- I'll throw in a joke or two, you know, Jewishly, just to make everyone comfortable. This is a Jewish thing. <laughs> and I'm, I'm Jewish. You know? But you can I'm, totally take that box wine to make it Jewish. How? Right? I, I don't know. If, put Kedem on it. I don't know. Yeah, you know. Throw Ashkacha on there. Right. <laughs> but I don't know you. It's no, it. like I just did a Purim show, like I was mentioning, for uh, Rabbi Marcus at his Chabad, and I was on Purim. So I, uh, I opened up uh, with one or two jokes just I realized you know it's nice to see the creativity here tonight you know for the last few years I feel like everyone's been wearing the same mask you know stuff like that <laughs> right 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 uh, you know uh, you know it's scary when you perform on Purim everybody's already got a grogger in their hand if they don't like it. <laughs> right, right. so so you know and then I'll launch into my regular act right so I'll give I'll, I'll, I'll give them a taste a little, of Judaism give them a little and then they're yours and then they say okay feels Jewish enough to me, and then I could talk about life and do what I do, and people like it. It's, it's not dirty, and it's not uh, anti-Jewish, and, you know, why would it be, you know? So it's not, you know what I mean by that? It's not something that, like, a Jewish booker would be like, oh, this is yeah. this goes against our values. Right, right, right. We shouldn't book this act. Right, you know? that, it's and that, neutral. that's what I was talking right. about neutral. before with the comic book. And yeah. th- there's a lack of that in the world, in America, in, in, in the comedy world. Right. There's kosher a lack entertainment of kosher doesn't have to be Jewish entertainment. Right, right. You know? right, right. By the way, mentioned... Blanco himself is a full hour. <laughs> we, that is a full hour. Can we get Blanco? He wants to interview Blanco. Can we make this happen? <laughs> no, not likely. I mean, Really? He's, he, he's well, too big now? With not the necessarily that he's stuff? too big. Just like <laughs> I've tried to interview him when I come to New York for stuff, and he doesn't show up, and then... You know, I'll get an apology text like three days after he never showed up and never said anything about why he wasn't showing up. You know, he's not reliable. I get that. I mean, you know, I I don't know. In the gang, used to be a gang in the gang member world. This is a big problem. (laughs) So you would, you You probably wouldn't. You know, I would show up with him. First of all, he doesn't work clean, but. I would show up with him if I could. I mean, how fun would that be? I mean, we once did a podcast together, and it was really funny. Um, I just wonder if he would mind being in your act. Like, forget oh, he him. loves it. He loved it. He that loves I did the, the story about him on This American Life, and when he always like, "Yo, Danny, man, what that that story? What you did about me on on that radio show? You get any money from that? <laughs> and don't be so Jewish with me, bro. I know you got that. Where's my cut from that money, bro?" I'm like I never got you don't get money you know for podcasts you get a little money from this American life but nothing that he would be interested in right. you know yo, don't be so Jewish son come on we're my we're my money so <laughs> you may have to have a budget if you want to get him in here I hear you yeah. I hear you it might be worth it you never know where are you performing with? Did you tell us where you performed so with? So tonight we're performing at Stand Up New York. By the time ah. anybody hears this, this will be ancient history. But next week I'll be at Aruba Ray's Comedy Club in Aruba. Uh, Whoa. Com- coming up, I also will be doing so, a so Pesach all that complaining, program. all that complaining about the the, the comedian gigs and it's so hard. He, you're gonna be t- t- you're in New York tonight. You want to hear something amazing Aruba. about Aruba? Oh, so, my heart bleeds for you. So the, the this uh, guy who runs it, wonderful Jewish guy, Ray Allen. Uh, comedian in his own right, very funny, and runs a River Race Comedy Club, and he wanted to book me for it. 
And I said, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd love to come to Aruba, but I, I don't do Shabbat. You know, I'm not going to perform. He goes, what do you mean? You're not going to do Friday night? I know. He says, oh, okay. I didn't know that you became religious. We hadn't been in touch in many years. So I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, uh, so he says, really? So you won't do Friday night? I said, no. And what about Saturday night? I said, well, if it's on Shabbat still, then no. He goes, well, I don't know if I could have you to Aruba then, which usually is where it ends, you know? That's usually where these conversations end. He said, But then he said, but let me see. I may have a week coming up in March where, for, for, I forget the reason why they're not going to be doing weekend shows, but we'll be doing them during the week. And, uh, and uh, he got back to me and said, yes, there's this one week in March where instead of a weekend, because the thing is closed or whatever... We're going to be doing Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night. I said, all right, I'm in. Let's do it. Nice. Wow. So I booked uh, to go to Chabad in Aruba for Shabbat. And then uh, I told him, you know, I'm going to stay on a few days later. And he said, so what are you going to do? He called me up this week. This, this, the first part of the conversation took place like six months ago, right? Right. We booked the thing. So then this week he says, yeah, I'm excited to have you. And he says, what are you going to do on Shabbat? I said, I booked in for uh, the Chabad in Aruba. He goes, Maybe I'll come with you. Oh. Wow. He said, maybe I'll come with you. So uh, he said, I once met that rabbi. Um, he got me a Yortzite candle from for my sister. His sister had passed. And and uh, and he said, it was really nice. And I've been meaning to go and check it out. Maybe I'll come with you. I said, book it in. Like, wow. you know. <laughs> no, that's so, great. That's Hashem said, moving the pieces around. You it's know? also amazing. Chabad. Because it's Chabad. Right. Chabad the, Isn't that amazing? Chabad that? delivers again. Energy. I hope he does come with me, and that would be amazing. That, that would, would make amazing. That would make it make sense to me of why I'm going to Aruba. <laughs> you know? Besides that, it's going to be nice. Yeah. I'd like to make people laugh, but <laughs> it would be nice to have that. That would be a real good payment in the, in the you know, bonus. So, I mean, this, I mean so. we, we spent a lot of time laughing here, but how do people book you when they want to have you make them laugh? So... You can just email me uh, ah. at the uh, email. You say is that right? is that a new thing the young people are doing? The uh, I give you go to the, you could email the comical at yahoo dot com. Right, is that the one? The website, the comical at yahoo dot com. I have a website, daniellobel dot com. Of course, know, we'll give I a don't link know to how it. if the content link works. Podcast <laughs> bus, podcast guy. bus. That's a website. They hit contact right, us. They right, get to you. Works. There we go. That works. You can, go okay. to, you can contact go. me through the podcast bus website. That's a new uh, shiny website that works. The podcastbus.com. I have to redo my personal one. Um, and uh, I mean, it works, but I don't think the content uh, form contact form works. But um, so here's just you know maybe if you fix that contact form. That might be a good. Oh, that's the that's it. As that's, soon as that gets good. fixed, I'm telling you, like it's all going to take off from there. Billions of gigs that have been uh, people have been that have been lost in cyberspace. So Basically, hard. People, people are reaching have, out. Contact. You know, I only recently, contact. It only contact. it only recently stopped working. Somebody tried recently. It worked fine for a long time. So uh, it's not like I've just let it sit for years not working. I just. Recently, something we went in and changed something on the site, and it stopped working. Well, maybe so. Blanco's behind it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's, it's only been like a week or two. So if if things haven't blown up, it's not because of that. Are you going to tell uh, Blanco about this episode so that he listens to it and he hears us talking about him? He's going to want some money. Yeah. I'm going to tell you. I, I just know. want to know if we're going into witness address. protection. <laughs> yeah, like, all you, all you, so Jewish over there. I'll tell you, man. Like, you all getting crazy, Danny? Hmm? Come on, man. 
You, I know you just got that money in there. That's what he says to me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, so. we, we definitely could do this for way longer because there's a lot of Oh my stories. gosh, there's so many stories to get to in depth. Like, yeah. we're just going to keep coming back and going in depth to each story. That's yeah. how I would see it. I'll yeah. be happy to come back another time. Thank you. And the next time you're in New you York. To, you got to get that money, though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Look, you can contact me at thecomical at yahoo.com, thecomical at yahoo.com. If you want to book me, if you want to book a screening of Reconquistador, I think you go to Reconquistador Movie. Is it movie or film? Movie. Reconquistadormovie.com. If you're in Los Angeles and you want to book a recording session, go to thepodcastbus.com. And if you want to pick up my comic book, go to fairenoughcomic.com. I've got five books out, and... Uh, I'm pretty proud of them. The Chabad book, I don't know how you'll be able to get it, but we could follow up. I'm sure Chabad will let us know. Yeah. <laughs> because they, so. one thing they do great is yeah. get out there. Yeah, the basically, publicity. you'll be walking down the street. People will say, do you want to put on tefillin or get a comic book? And uh, <laughs> It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Danny, so it's been again. great. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you all for listening. You can follow Kiddush Club on Twitter at Kiddush Club Cast and on Instagram at Kiddush Club Podcast. And of course, you can find us on the 24-6 app. And don't forget to join us on WhatsApp if you want to see the videos that we discussed during the podcast and be alerted first when we release an episode. Of course, you can shoot us an email. We are hock, H-O-C-K, at KiddushClubPodcast.com. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash Kiddush Club Podcast, uh, and you can support the cast that way. And the links, of course, will be in these show notes. Uh, many thanks to our sponsor Jerusalem Cafe and Kiddish Club out. You heard that jingle? Yeah. Oh, you mean you thought, you thought it was only your ears? Yeah. <laughs> no. Where did that come from? Maybe from here. Maybe from behind us. It came from heaven. Anytime I, I hit a real good line. Yeah, so that's- Am I supposed to say anything during this time when you guys? <laughs> you could. But only Canadians. Yeah. All right. Good. Oh, I'll give it. I'll I love, give. I love yeah. when you make fun of Canadians. By the way. Okay. I'm yeah. a sucker for Canadians. They need to be taken yeah. down a notch. <laughs> <laughs> and this episode is copyright Kiddish Club Media.